welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 6, Chapter 1, The Tower of Sirith Ungul, Exploring Strength in Community. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> I. It. I cannot hear it in any other voice than, like, a kind of vampiric, like, Sirith <laughs> Ungul. I think it's a hard uh, K sound. Kirith Ungul. Is it? Kirith? Yeah. Kirith. All right. Because we had the same thing with Celeborn versus Celeborn. We're like, ah, well, yes. obviously this is, like, Celebrate. And Tolkien was like, obviously it isn't. It's Celeborn. It's, it's Celeborn. <sighs> okay, so Kirith Ungul. But mm-hmm. that's a great segue into my opening question, which is a little bit silly. If you didn't know what Kirith Ungul is or was, what would you assume it to be? Some sort of, like... Eastern European pop star. Mmm. Be like, oh, there she is. Kirith Ungol. We love her. Or maybe like Nordic. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a Norwegian pop princess. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my guess. Kirith, we love you. I like that a lot. Or like, um, like Victor Crumb's yes. female protagonist uh, yeah. in. Quidditch. In the spinoff, whatever, where we get to follow him and they have an enemies to lovers trope. Yes. And it's Victor Crumb versus Kirith Ungol. Yes. I would love it. <laughs> In a reality TV show type series. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Real Housewives of. Yes. I think that would be great. I think that'd be great, too. Were you thinking of something specific? Um, You know, mine was a bit more medical. I assumed that it was <laughs> oh, no. something like a foot... <laughs> foot cream nice <laughs> you know like ah uh, you know for those runners bunions always yeah. try kirith ungal which will get rid of that fungal no. infection <laughs> you know uh, so horrible. i like norwegian pop princess much yeah. better <laughs> that's hilarious so that's what i that's kind of what i was thinking about as mm. i was reading this chapter but I think we should get into maybe more of the serious nature of Mm -hmm. our podcast, which is we're going to talk about strength in community today. And you brought a story for us along that theme. I did. And I was so excited to have this theme because I feel like it's so easy, (laughs) especially (laughs) in in regards to community. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the whole community is strength. Each person individually is just not as strong as the community is together. Right. So that's why that's why I was excited uh, about this. I'm like, wow, you know what's going to fit in perfectly? This theme. Love it. That's exciting. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what your story is then. <laughs> well, so my story today um, is about endurance sports. I love a good endurance sport, uh, partially because I know that the strength that comes easiest to me is mental strength and not physical strength. And in my opinion, endurance sports that I enjoy most, which would be like running and hiking or backpacking, are more mental than physical. So last summer, I worked with this wonderful company called Hikerkind. Uh, Shout out to them. In addition to being a hiking clothing line, which you can find on their website or Madewell, 
Uh, they also have a hike club in New York, and it's all women-led hikes. So last summer, I, I assisted with leading some of these hikes, and I was really excited about it. I enjoyed hanging out with this group. I was excited to be leading hikes throughout the summer. And so I encouraged some friends that were not in the hike club to sign up for a hike that I was going to lead so that everyone could all hang out together. Through some medium-level communication mishaps, my friends signed up for what ended up being the hardest hike of the season on one of the hottest weekends of the season. This was in early July. Um, I had billed this hike club as like being really accessible and you know it's it's not you don't have to be athletic to come out and enjoy hanging out with us and for most of the hikes that was true except for this one. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we hiked from Cold Spring to Beacon which if you're in the New York area this is a really beautiful hike. Uh, you don't need a car to do it. Completely accessible by public transport. But in addition to being a beautiful hike, it is also just over seven miles long and has almost 2,000 feet of elevation gain, Oof. which can be quite jarring if you are not expecting <laughs> to have that much elevation gain on like an 85 degree day. So the heat was really tough on everyone. And I remember the other leader of the hike frequently sharing that come on, this is the last big incline. Definitely more than one time we had our last big incline, quote unquote. (laughs) The real last big incline was this rock scramble to the highest point of the hike, which was really quite difficult, especially if you were under uh, 5'4-ish, you know. And we had a few hikers that were on the shorter side that makes it harder to reach these rocks because in a rock scramble, you are scrambling up. It's not like a walk or a hike up. We are moving from rock to rock. And what was surprising to me that despite the heat, being tired and thirsty, and then having to climb up these big old rocks, which are at like mile five out of seven. So <laughs> we're tired at this point. Mm-hmm. Everyone remained in really good spirits. I think that if it had been a smaller group, or a solo hiker, there would have been a lot more grousing. But because we were in a shared environment that everybody had willingly chosen to participate in, maybe under false pretenses, but still we all chose to participate here, um, it made things a lot more enjoyable. We could take turns complaining good-naturedly and lending strength to others. So everyone made it up to this highest point of elevation of the hike. We stopped there for lunch. We had a wonderful time. Lots of people got to take pictures, you know, take a break, take a rest. And a lot of people left that day feeling impressed with the strength of their bodies. Although I think a lot about the strength to continue. It had come from the group as a whole. So this story popped into my mind when I was reading this chapter because Sam doesn't have the group. He is all by himself and only has his own strength to go on, which I think is extra difficult. And then also he does have a literal tough climb to the top of this tower that felt very relatable to our struggle on that day. But to our knowledge, it's not 85 degrees. But so there yeah, is to, he said it was actually a little bit cool, a little bit of a cool right. breeze when he got out of uh, Lair, but he was also running low on water. So right, we are Samwise Gamgee. It is dire. Yeah. 
I love that story. I love that pairing of community strength and physical strength. And I think that often, right, in in sports, the mental outweighs the physical. Like, mm-hmm. if your strength is there physically, you can do a lot of things, right? So, for example, when I was in PT, my PT was, my physical therapist was talking about the fact that, like, the strength to run a 5K is the same strength that you can run a half marathon. But the difference between those two things is, like, mentally mm-hmm. how you prepare. Yeah. And I think that's just so important because your community is a part of your your mental health, right? Mm-hmm. To to rely on someone, to lean when you're feeling weak, and to draw strength from. And so you really, I think, illustrated well for us the power of community and just how challenging then Sam's plight is through this chapter in needing to be both his own community and draw from his own stuff while also physically being very challenged. Mm, mm-hmm. My favorite story of community strength is Ocean's Eleven. And I thought about <laughs> just telling that as a story as if it had happened to me. <laughs> like, I love that I mean, all, all of these different people with their different strengths to come together to help achieve a sing- singular goal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's oceans 11 not oceans alone <laughs> but i i didn't i refrained from doing that's a long, incredible a long bit. <laughs> uh that's incredible i will say that any heist movie is one usually one of my favorite movies yes. and two i think often illustrates like we need to pretty carefully curate mm-hmm. the skill sets around us to right. assure that we can all accomplish this larger goal. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe not for the pod, but certainly in party settings, I would definitely yes. tell that story. <laughs> I have a wonderful, heartwarming story of a community coming together to achieve revenge and personal financial gain. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> It's like an office episode where... Michael is trying to get everybody to grieve, like, a loss that was particularly profound, and no one really wants to do that, and so they just start telling really sad stories that are movie plots. (laughs) So Pam tells the story of, um, oh, the Hillary Swank boxing movie. Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the title now. And then Ryan ultimately tells the story of his, of the Lion King. Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby. Thank you. Yes. So Pam tells the story of Million Dollar Baby. Uh, Ryan tells the story of the Lion King, and then Kevin gives it away because he tells the story of Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> but, like, why perfect. not? Why not appropriate yeah. <laughs> that kind of story for social gain? I'm that's here right. for it. <laughs> so that's that's my story, plus a little bit of extra there for you. But we gotta we got to talk about this chapter. It is a long chapter. There is mm-hmm. a lot going on here, so... Blessings and best of luck to you as you walk us through all of the events of the chapter. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, as I was taking notes, I was like, oh my gosh, what to include, what to exclude. So we're going to do our best. There is quite a bit. So let's just jump right in. We pick back up with Sam, who is in or near Mordor and who is still without Frodo. So he's decided as we last left him to pick up the ring and to carry this burden into Mordor and destroy it, doing what the Fellowship has asked of both him and Frodo. 
He doesn't know the day, but we learn it's about the same time that Aragorn is leading the Blackfeet fleet into, um, into battle. Sam is headed back on the path, um, so he's kind of retracing some of his steps through Shelob's lair and through this maybe initial tower and puts on the ring. The ring gives him like super magical powers where he can hear and maybe see better than he can usually see. Um, And so he overhears in the distance some infighting of orcs in a tower far away. He originally thinks that it's orcs like coming up the path to meet him and he kind of freaks out, but ultimately he decides, no, 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 that's kind of off in the distance. Sam beholds the land and it is terrifying. So we get some good descriptors there. He also kind of realizes the danger that Frodo is in as he approaches the tower, Kirith Ungul, and tries to take the ring through the gate. So there's this little bit where he's trying to figure out how to get into sort of maybe the plaza beneath the tower of Kirith Ungul because he wants to go save Frodo and he's kind of abandoning this like, well, I'll take the ring alone. And by doing so, by going through the gate, he sets off an alarm. So that's not great, Um, but as he comes into the plaza, he realizes just how many dead orcs are about, and so it appears that the infighting he heard earlier was true, and that there was some sort of, like, skirmish between the two factions of of orcs. And so um, he makes his way through this mess uh, up to maybe about the third tier of the tower. He overhears one of our greatest named characters, Shagrat, um, who is arguing with someone maybe named Snaga, Snaga, about this mess. (laughs) Great name. Great name. Um, Were I a cat person, these would absolutely be cats uh, in my household. After Shagrat and Snaga finish arguing, Sam startles Snaga, I think, and he kind of runs away. Sam continues up the stairwell, but cannot find where Frodo is kept. So there's just a lot of like walking and fear and tunnels and uh, description of the tower. And so defeated, he then kind of sits and sings. His singing draws out Snaga, who comes to investigate the noise. And Sam chases him to the top of the tower and ultimately bests Snaga in kind of a fight, but basically it's Snaga like trips and falls out of the out of the top tier room. And then Sam finds Frodo. Frodo's alive, but very weak, and he kind of recounts what's happened to him since he was separated from Sam. Sam tells Frodo not to worry, I have the ring still, so don't feel so bad. Frodo is, like, relieved to see that Sam has the ring, but also then demands it in a very, like, aggressive way. Sam is kind of taken aback by this, um, but ultimately they sort of reconcile. Sam then needs to go find clothes for himself and mostly for Frodo, who is without clothing at this point. And so they're trying to gather supplies as they continue their trek into Mordor. Once clothed again in orc clothing, Frodo and Sam need to eat and drink before heading off, so they're grabbing a little um, snack from the remains of Frodo's pack, um, and Sam has the last of his water because they do not anticipate that there's going to be a return trip, so why not drink it now? 
and then both leave the tower and use the light of Galadriel to break the Watcher's hold once more, which is how Sam initially got into the tower, setting off the alarm, which is answered by a black rider who is flying up in the sky. And that is how our chapter ends. Ooh, that's a big one. It was a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. I want to I wanna call out, so it was, it was Shagrat who was startled the second time, and we know that because he has the mithril coat in his little bundle and that is what he runs away with and we know he makes it all the way to like wherever the gate is and that's how then the mouth of sauron sauron's mouth right ends up with the coat and makes everyone feel so sad so that wasn't spelled out very explicitly but they did like hint at it it's like oh my goodness i forgot that that yes Because they make uh, they make an allusion to the fact that if Sam had known yeah. like what devastation were wrought by allowing Shagrat to run off, mm-hmm. he might have chased him further. But at that point, Sam was deciding whether he was going to chase him or whether he was going to continue to try and find Frodo. And of course, his love for Frodo and need to save him overwhelmed his need to pursue Shagrat. And I think that was the right move. I think he did. Mm-hmm. I think he did the right thing there. Yes, I agree. So that is some of what happened Ooh, <laughs> in <word>. the chapter. <laughs> uh, there were quite a few, quite a few things. Mm-hmm. But given that we had a lengthy chapter and a, a pretty strong protagonist throughout, oh, I'm interested word. to hear what, where you found examples of today's theme. You could sneeze onto a page and your snot splatter would each each droplet would hit an example what a description (laughs) that was very tolkien of you (laughs) poetic i might add Uh uh-huh let it vomit forth from the land your snot Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, all that to say there were a lot of examples so I am going to group them a little bit and not do each one individually because a lot of them are speaking to the same instance of strength just multiple times throughout the chapter. Nice. We will start the first page. And this is my page 181. This is a reflection of Sam's and he says, quote, he no longer had any doubt about his duty. He must rescue his master or perish in the attempt. And this is like the first brick of the foundation laid in this chapter of the the treat we are going to receive of Sam's strength of will, which is really uh, amazing. And I think further cements the thesis that Sam is the hero of the story. So I'm going to call out each of his moments of strength individually because he deserves it. So that's the first one. The next set of examples is all about the strength of the ring. So as you mentioned in your recap, the ring seems to gain more strength as it gets closer to Mordor. And this Mm -hmm. has the dual purpose of like both being more difficult for Sam to bear, but also making him appear stronger in the eyes of the orcs. The first example is on page 183, as Sam is pulling out the ring and puts it on. The quote is, Immediately he felt the great burden of its weight, and felt afresh, but now more strong and urgent than ever, the malice of the eye of Mordor, 
searching, trying to pierce the shadows that it had made for its own defense, but which now hindered it in its unquiet and doubt. So the ring is, it's getting stronger. It's closer. It's like, uh, it's like a child getting closer to Disney World. And as we get closer <laughs> to Disney World, the energy is getting amped up because we know, we know what the destination is. That's what the ring is doing. Yes, we've added a very sugary snack, perhaps, to a four-year-old uh-huh. as it nears the mecca that is Disney World. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. No notes. The next example <laughs> of the, the ring strength that I saw is on page 189. And at this point, Sam is in the tower. He doesn't even put on the ring. He just pulls it out, again, unbidden, and clutches it to his chest. And Snaga has run down and he sees Sam standing there clutching the ring to his chest. And this is what happens. It stopped short aghast. For what it saw was not a small frightened hobbit trying to hold a steady sword. It saw a great silent shape, cloaked in a gray shadow, looming against the wavering light behind. In one hand, it held a sword, the very light of which was a bitter pain, The other was clutched at its breast, but held concealed some nameless menace of power and doom. So, we're getting closer. Again, the ring. This would not, this didn't happen when Frodo held the ring in the Shire. But the strength of the ring is being turned up in intensity now that we are literally in Mordor for the first time. Mm -hmm. Okay, and my last example of the strength of the ring is on page 199. Frodo has his moment of, give me the ring, is how I would describe it. Frodo and Sam are reunited. Frodo's like, I don't have the ring anymore. Sam's like, don't worry, I got you. Here it is. And Frodo's like, man, give it to me immediately. And he sort of freaks out a little bit because he has like a vision that Sam is an orc and trying to take it from him and then he comes he sort of snaps out of it and frodo says what have i done forgive me after all you have done it is the horrible power of the ring so the ring is even more corrupting and stronger here than it was in other places and i think it's it's telling that it affects sam and frodo so differently There is, I know Frodo has been wearing it longer. I do like that Sam talks a little bit about the strength of the ring here and how it does weigh on him, but it doesn't seem to have yet the stronghold over Sam's spirit like it does over Frodo's. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does seem that, I don't know, Sam Sam seems to just have like a pure essence about him that is much more challenging to corrupt. And I think to your point, he also understands, I mean, he is truly coming to the game a little bit later than Frodo and he seems to have a much better and more reasonable assessment of the implicit danger of the ring in Mm -hmm. Mordor and whether that allows him to understand the increased power of the ring I don't know but it certainly keeps him from really coveting it in the way that that Frodo does and I wonder if it's because he's seen Frodo firsthand have it wear Mm -hmm. him down Sort of like um, he's like he's like a Monday morning quarterback when we're the game's over. I've seen how it plays out. I've got my 
thoughts and opinions about what could have been done better. Sam has like a more gentle version of that of like he's seen how it's affecting somebody very close to him and he can learn from that and be like, "Well, no, 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 no." Mhm. And actually, let's let's go ahead then and jump. We'll come back to another example I have, but we'll go to page 185, which is my favorite example because it is exactly this. It's the strength of the ring and Sam doing battle. These two powers and wills are clashing up against each other in the middle of this chapter. So Sam here at the at the end of the page is feeling the power of the ring and it says quote he felt that he had from now on only two choices to forbear the ring though it would torment him or to claim it and challenge the power that sat in its dark hold beyond the valley of shadows already the ring tempted him gnawing at his will and reason and then we go on to get this wonderful vision that the ring has given to sam of he becomes samwise the strong and he's got a flaming sword and he's swashbuckling through mordor and making it a big old garden which is just like wholesome and lovely and sam is tempted but at the end of this vision it says quote in that hour of trial it was the love of his master that helped most to hold him firm but also deep down in him lives still unconquered, his plain hobbit sense. And Sam knows deep down that this is, this is a lie. He couldn't actually do this. And it's the ring trying to persuade him. And so I love this example because it shows the essence of Sam. It's like he is sensible, he is a practical hobbit, and he loves Frodo. And these sort of two aspects of him are fortifying him against this... All- all-consuming power of the ring that has brought down basically everybody else in his company mm-hmm. right okay more examples everything is underlined <laughs> <laughs> next example we're going to the watchers mm-hmm. so we have two moments of the watchers first is on page 187 sam's trying to get through this gate He can see no obstacle, quote, but something too strong for his will to overcome barred the way. And it's these two statues that are some sort of evil spirit. And then this happens again on page 202, where, quote, Frodo had no strength for such a battle against the will of the Watchers. And... We're really relying once again on Sam's strength and Sam's presence of mind. In both instances, he pulls out the file of Galadriel. In the second instance, that's not quite enough. And so he also yells, Gilthaniel ah Elbereth. And I won't even, I will not attempt to say what Frodo responds to. It's more elvish. And then, quote, the will of the Watchers was broken with a suddenness like the snapping of a cord. And so I think it's interesting here that this bottled light from Galadriel is enough to break the the strength of these two watchers. And I wonder if everyone here is so afraid of the elves, why they don't just go through and wipe out Mordor? It seems like you know, based on the orc's reception to Sting and to this glass, that they could do that. 
So I wonder if it's just like a numbers thing. I know that their strength is sort of waning. They're not as strong as they once were. It just, it seemed interesting to me that uh, this token from Galadriel is somehow strong enough to break the will of like the main outpost in Mordor. Yeah, and I think, and I don't know for certain, and I'm sure others have this knowledge, but I get the impression that the elves really don't see themselves as a part of this conflict. And so Elrond is kind of unique in that he sees at least a piece of this, but for the most part, right, otherwise the elves are heading out. They're like, okay, bye, good luck, Uh, you know. Do what you can. And I don't know if that's exclusively because of the the waning strength of the elves generally, or if it's something more to do with kind of the, the history of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. But I get the sense that they see themselves apart from the overall struggle, which is why there isn't this overall like push for them to go and, and just be like beacons of light in this yeah. place where people really hate light and get this done. We will bring a couple of flashlights, and we win. <laughs> and we win, and that's it. Y'all are cowering, and you're like sad little hovels, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be done in like an afternoon. Let's go Let get the tea. merry sunshine in. Right? Open all the windows. Open all the doors. Let the merry sunshine that's in. Right. The elves are here. Boom. Done. <laughs> Uh, so that I wanted to group those two together because they do it seems the, the same s- struggles of strength against each other there mm-hmm. so where are we now my last example we've made it my last example is on page <laughs> you're doing great you're doing great your mental strength is really <sighs> showcased here yes she is out of breath my last example is we have to end with Sam because he is the light and he is the love. Mm-hmm. And this example is about Sam's will, Sam's love, Sam's strength. Towards the end of the chapter, before he's reunited with Frodo, he has finally figured out where Frodo is. He's being held in like a trapdoor tower thing. And he hears a sound like the crack of a, of a whip once the orc snaga goes up there. And, quote, at that, rage blazed in Sam's heart to a sudden fury. He sprang up, ran, and went up the ladder like a cat. His head came out in the middle of the floor of a large round chamber. Blah, 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 blah. Snaga raised a whip a second time, but the blow never fell. With a cry, Sam leapt across the floor, sting in hand, and boom, he behands Snaga chops it right off his arm and that strength which has come from sam's anger and rage which we see a few times throughout this chapter which in turn has come from his love and from his heart and the care that he feels for frodo so once again we are back at that being sam's strength and his superpower is how much he cares for frodo This is not something I think he would normally do. We imagine he's like wearing a backpack and kind of tired and is like three and a half feet tall, but still he ran up the ladder like a cat and cuts off somebody's hand. So he does that rock scramble. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, (laughs) but he does it. (laughs) We're impressed. So that's my, that's my last example. Again, we have to end on Sam 
Mm-hmm. He is such a hero in this chapter. And I it was a joy to be able to look for all of those instances where he was putting his will against the will of Mordor and, you know, digging deep down to find reasons to, to continue and be the amazing person he is. Yeah, and I think um, something that struck me in this chapter perhaps more than, than previous is Sam really has a sense of self and mm-hmm. a sense of purpose in what he contributes to this overall mission, right? It's why he has this ability to, like, dig down into his deep-rooted hobbit sense and realize, like, I don't need to be more than... I don't need to be this all-powerful Samwise the Strong, right? Mm -hmm. I can just be Sam, and I can love Frodo, and I can help make this uh, journey successful, and that is what I can contribute. And I really admire that about him because I think... Sometimes, uh, especially for prolonged journeys like this, it can be obscured what a person's purpose is, what their overall contributions can be. And when we start to lose sight of what the overall goal is, right, like that's where um, sometimes sacrifices on behalf of the community are made for um, the gain of the self. And and Sam's just so strong in his, his personhood that that his hobbithood, really. His hobbithood. That, he, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you know, it's it's much harder for that to be corrupted. And I, I think that's really important here. Yeah, I mean, he just knows. It's like that, that quote from Gandalf that we talked about in our end of season wrap up about, you know, we're just going to focus on what's in our own garden and Gandalf, all wise wizard, has to tell all of these very important and powerful leaders of men. Sam doesn't need to hear that. He already knows that he's here mm-hmm. for his own garden and he's going to do what he can um, in the way that he can and focus on what he, where can, he can affect change and how he can. And I'm just like, I love you, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> right. Because the strength is, I, and I think. I think that's so important to, to call out and just kind of underscore, right? Like, sometimes strength can be construed as, like, I have to be in the leader seat. I mm-hmm. have to be the strong guest to be considered strong. And really what we see here is it takes perhaps a bit more strength to say, this is where I can affect change, to your point. Mm-hmm. And to live here is to is to have more strength perhaps than some of these other folks who are suffering delusions of grandeur and instead just to contribute what I can contribute and to do it consistently is a level of strength that I don't see in any other character. The end. We love Sam. <laughs> in summation, we love Sam. <laughs> That's all we need. He's the best. He is the best. And I'm glad we get to spend so much time with him in this chapter. It's really, it's basically just him the whole chapter. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you have some notable quotes, some talking with Tolkien, that you'll you'll want to share. I know I do. Um, are you ready to transition to that part of the, the episode? Absolutely. Hashtag TWT. Hashtag TWT. What quotes do you have? What quotes do you have to share? Well, I have one brief one and two that are a little little longer. But on my, my page 212, so it's like right at the beginning of the chapter, Sam is sort of taking in the land and doing a bit of 
considering the world around him. And let's see in the quote here. Quote, drawing his eyes down from the tower and the horns of the cleft before him, he forced his unwilling feet to obey him and slowly listening with all his ears. <laughs> and that's the part I like. I missed that. <laughs> it's just a very, like, hobbity way of describing listening very keenly. I wanted to call it out. And then in an abrupt tone shift... <laughs> On page 214, I just really appreciated the description of the land. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very dark. So what stuck out to me is, um, quote, Far beyond it, but almost straight ahead, across a wide lake of darkness dotted with tiny fires, there was a great burning glow, and from it rose in huge columns a swirling smoke, dusky red at the roots, black above where it merged into the billowing canopy that roofed in all the accursed land. Ooh. That's a good one. It paints a picture. It paints a picture. And then my last, we've kind of already talked about, um, but I just, I thought it so lovely and, and so important calling back to Sam having such a sense of purpose and an understanding of what he can contribute. So it's after he sort of acknowledged that this um, vision the ring has provided to him of being Samwise the Strong and turning all of Mordor into a garden is, is mm -hmm. foolishness. Quote, The one small garden of a free gardener was all his need and due, not a garden swollen to a realm, his own hands to use, not the hands of others to command. That is nice. Not the hands of others to command. Right. Just his this own. This is why he would not be an elected representative. Right. <laughs> call, call back to last last week's episode. Last week. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So those are my quotes, uh, but what quotes did you have? I thought you were going to pick the something about the, the land, um, but mm -hmm. I actually, years left off at a cursed land, and my quote is the next sentence. <laughs> Perfect. So, ever and anon, the furnaces far below, an ashen cone would grow hot, and with a great surging and throbbing, pour forth rivers of molten rock from chasms in its sides. Some would flow blazing towards Barad-dûr down great channels. Some would wind their way into the stony plain until they cooled and lay like twisted dragon shapes vomited from the tormented earth. Such a good one. Such a good one. So... You're welcome, everybody. You just got that little passage, half from Anna, half from me. <laughs> we have read you, like, one half of a page in my yes. book. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then uh, the other quote that I have is from, from Sam after Snaga has run away. And it's funny. like nah, It says, like, never any dog more heartened when its enemy turned tail than Sam at this unexpected flight. Um, <laughs> which was cute. But my, actually quote, my actual quote is... If only they all take such a dislike to me and my sting, then this may turn out better than I hoped. Um, and this is when he thrust the ring away and tightened his belt. Well, well. And I just think it's like, he's like, ha, 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 well, 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 well. You know, kiss my lips and have an apple. Uh, <laughs> kiss my foot. Uh, that's what that made me think of is he put his ring away and tightened his belt. And well, well. 
Yeah, I imagine him kind of like adjusting his britches, yes. like, all right, ah, if they let's all, do this. If they all, you know, take this just like to me, this is going to be pretty easy. <laughs> Shoot, this is going to be one quick 15 minute skirmish yes. and then we're ready to go. <laughs> let's get it done. So, good old, good old Sam. I love that call out. <laughs> Listening with all his ears. Listening with all his ears. It just, it reminds me of like, um when you talk to maybe little kids and you're like, put on your listening ears. Yes. <laughs> Listen with all Sam your had ears. his listening ears on. He did. All right. So those are our quotes, which means we are to our action item. Ellen, what action item did you bring for us today? So today's action item is going to be to strengthen your community building muscle. And the, this practice is from Sam Harris, who's a professor at NYU and also has a podcast that you might be familiar with. But the way that you're going to strengthen your community building muscle is the next time you are in a coffee shop or other public place, you are not allowed to leave until you've had a positive interaction with a stranger. So one of my uh, ways that you could achieve this, perhaps there's a dog. You can go up, oh my God, so cute. Can I pet your dog? Something small like that, uh, it's, it's good to get out of your individual bubble there and to force yourself to interact with other people out in the world. I love that. And I love starting with a dog. Yes, of course. It feels... It's actually only just go pet dogs. That's the action it's actually It's actually just <laughs> goggle a good yes. stranger's dog. Yeah. I love them so much. Mm-hmm. But they do make it less intimidating. Yeah, and, but and always ask before you pet someone's dog because sometimes yes. the answer is no, he will bite you or he doesn't like right. people. Or right. I don't like right. people. So always ask, but... Consent is key. <laughs> this was a struggle of mine um, when I was in uh, a non-English speaking country and I didn't know how to ask in the native language, can I pet your dog? And I remember asking like the host, uh, the host student like, hey, if I'm out in the street, how can I say, may I please pet your dog? And they were like, what? <laughs> this is important. Please. This is, no one has taught me this in a class, but this is the way I build community. Help me. <laughs> Mission critical. Yeah. Where is the bathroom? I need help. Can I pet your dog? Can I pet Top your dog? three. Yeah, that's my action item. Just a little, a little, uh, small ask to have an interaction with a stranger in a public place. I love it. And a good way, a good way to maybe meet someone new, but certainly to practice our, practice our community building. Yeah, thank you for another, another wonderful podcast. Let's do season six. Season six. Season six. <laughs> yeah, your coveting the ring noise was on point. And it reminded me of the um, truly one of my favorite movie moments um, yeah. is in the, the first one. The Two Towers. Oh. I think. When um, Smeagol is cornered by all Fairmere's men. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's so ridiculous. Yes. Truly one of my favorite moments. I thought you were going to do when um, Bilbo in the first one in Rivendell has his ring moment. Oh, no. That lives in fear in my mind. That's not as amusing to me as Smeagol just being ornery. Yeah, that's terrifying. (laughs) 
Today's podcast was brought to you by Mordor Home Security Systems. They mostly work. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. Elbereth. Elbereth. Oh my god. Gilthaniel Ah Elbereth. Rolls right off the tongue. Yes. As, <laughs> as one says.